You are listening to the Attempt Adventure Podcast, a podcast all about travel, finding adventure every day, and seeking out adventurous ways to make life more interesting. From Bangkok, Thailand, I'm your host, Michael DeRosiers, joined as always by my co-host, James Barrett from Longmont, Colorado. James, welcome back to the show, sir. Hope you're doing well. I am. All right, James, we got a fantastic episode coming up today, a true adventure to talk about, and I'm so excited. We are going to be joined by Lucy Westlake, adventurer, mountaineer, explorer, really amazing record breaker, I might add. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that in a minute. But before we do that, James, we have a few announcements. First of all, guys, I just want to remind you all that if you do like the show, please share it maybe with your friends, maybe give word of mouth, shout us out to your your dentist. Oh yeah, when he's when he's in there digging around. Maybe listen to it when you get your root canal done. That's right. Who else could you share mm-hmm. it with, James? Um, let me see. Gardeners. How about your therapist? Hmm. Parole officer. Yeah, they might like to hear good about one. it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, but word of mouth definitely helps. And uh, also, guys, if you do enjoy the show, please maybe share us and, and leave a review uh, on your podcast app of choice. That really helps us grow as well. If you really love the show, you can head on over to our Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash attemptadventure, and maybe throw a couple of dollars towards us. That really does help us. It helps us keep the show on the air. I mean, hosting's not free, and it just it just helps us kind of offset the costs of the website and the uh, the RSS feed for the podcast. So, James, before we get into the episode, mm-hmm. have you done anything new or adventurous this past week, James? You know, since we recorded eight minutes ago, <laughs> no. Yeah. But I am requesting reprieve on another mm-hmm. wheel spin so I can have time to complete my first wheel spin. Okay. Yes. So, again, if you're just joining us for the first time, we have a game that we play where we are supposed to do something adventurous every episode, something that we've never done before. And if we don't do that, we have created something that we call the Wheel of Penalty, which is a set of challenges that are designed to either get us out of our comfort zone or try something new. James spun that one in the last episode, and he has to learn about geocaching now. Yep, yep. You have literally had not, I mean, you haven't left this chair. So um, you've had no no time to do that, unless there's a geocache hidden in your apartment, which I doubt. So I really hope not. (laughs) So James, let's talk about that again next time. Now, I had something new that I did for the last episode, but between then and now, I also have done nothing. And we've done really well this season, James. Neither one of us have had to spin yet, so I'm also going to spin the wheel because it's, it's kind of fun sometimes for fun. to have a penalty. So here we go, guys. I'm going to spin the wheel penalty right now. Come on, right 50 now. bucks. Come on, 50 bucks. <laughs> one of the penalties is just give the other person $50. Go to a museum you've never been to before. I think I can complete that. If you will allow it, James, why don't you also let me get back home? I'll be traveling back home to America for Thanksgiving next week. I will either do it in Waco when I get there. I'm sure there's some, I'm sure there's some museums I've never been to in Waco. Or if I have time, I do have like a pretty long layover. If I have time in Istanbul, I might try to do it in Turkey. We'll we'll see. But I'll, I'll do something new. All right, James. Well, it's time to get into our interview. Lucy, welcome to the show. The first question we always ask every guest is, what is your background in adventure? I'd say my whole life uh, has been a big adventure, and that's how I like it. Uh, That's just been the best part about, you know, like when I look back on my childhood, the best part about it was just all the little adventures I had 
um, and they've grown to be big adventures. Um, specifically in mountaineering is really my niche. Um, but yeah, I've had I've had a lot of adventures in different mountains. Um, just traveling. I love traveling. Um, traveled all around the world. Um, running, scuba diving. I've done a lot of things. So yeah, but mountaineering is definitely my niche. How would you define adventure? What does that word actually mean to you? To me, adventure can be something that's big or small. And when I like first think of adventure, I actually don't think of like a big mountain like Everest or something like that. I think of um, me as a little kid running around with my friends, like trying to catch frogs and snakes and bring them back as pets and um, just like going around and romping in the forest and just doing fun things like that. So adventure to me is something that like puts yourself in something where you're in the unknown. You don't really know what the outcome is going to be. Um, so I think adventure can occur in, you know, everyday life, um, even in like cities and anywhere um, can be adventure. Just like having that element of like something unknown where you're you're out of your comfort zone, I'd say is is my definition of adventure. Right. Well, let's talk about those small adventures. How did you get into adventuring in the very beginning? What sort of sparked that interest and that passion for you? When so when I was little, when I talk about like my time as you know, like a little kid just running around, um, I it's usually been in the summers. So kind of like as soon as um I'd get out of school during the school year, me and my family would go up to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and that was um, we have a little cabin up there in the middle of a forest right next to um right on Lake Superior, and there's this little tiny town um that has literally like 15 people that live there year round. So it's very remote. That's where I just fell in love with adventure and nature and just exploring like all over that area uh, from a really young age. And that's like what really just like cemented my love for it. And then um, I started high pointing is how I got into my mountaineering and kind of getting those more intense like big adventures um, in the mountains is um, through high pointing, which is climbing the tallest mountain in every state. So my family started doing that when I was seven years old. Um, and that was a amazing time just traveling and adventuring all around the country. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the high pointing and just in general about your records. You hold a number of world records. Tell us about those. And I know it all started with your high pointing, correct? Yes. Yeah. So I, I when I started high pointing, the purpose, I never really had the goal of completing all 50, um, at least from the beginning. It was really just my family loving. We love to travel. We love to road trip. We'd drive literally everywhere we we never flew we'd always drive everywhere that's the best way to travel it was we'd all like get in the car and like drive up to new england and just go to every state like hitting different high points um and climbing them and eventually the high points like i would realize i'd done like 30 high points at that time i was still pretty young so after mount rainier which i did when i was 11 i decided i wanted to become the youngest woman to do all 50 state high points so I did that. Um, I completed the forty lower forty-eight, um, and became the youngest woman to do that when I was twelve. Incredible. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, not even really a woman. <laughs> it's funny. Um, and then when I was seventeen, I completed all fifty state high points. So that was one of uh, one of the records that I hold. And then after that, I kind of when I was like around fifteen is when I started to do some international mountains where I started to take. Uh, my mountaineering internationally and start to do the seven summits that was yeah that was amazing and I'm still still working on that I've done five of the seven but um I set another record climbing Mount Everest when I was 18 as the youngest American woman to do that 
That's amazing. You know, I think for a lot of people, Mount Everest is like sort of like the epitome mm -hmm. of adventure to people. I know this is probably just such a huge question, but what was it like to stand on Mount Everest? It was just like you said, like the epitome of it all. It's yeah. just such a like introspective moment, you know, where you're standing and you're literally on the top of the world. Like it just feels so surreal. Uh, and you can like look back on really like every single like little step that that brought you to that one moment in time and it's just incredible when I was seven like that I decided to start high pointing and then when I was 11 I decided to keep doing it, and that's something I really loved and just like the passion my passion that kept growing for high pointing and then eventually for like for doing the seven summits it just all kind of like I could look back and be like wow that's what brought me here um just that love it's something that was so special and it obviously was just absolutely beautiful up there as well so I was just enjoying taking it all in because yeah half of like why mountaineer is just because it's so beautiful for you has Everest been your favorite experience or what has been sort of the best experience that you've had gosh that's hard to say because every mountain is so different I love Denali um just because that was kind of a, almost like my breakout mountain the mountain where I like really feel like I became like a, a mountaineer like a really serious mountaineer um because that was like the first very long expedition I did where you're carrying all your gear with you, climbing fixed lines, using some technical gear like an ascender. So that was just a really special mountain for me and will always hold a special place in my heart because it's actually the first mountain I failed on as well really? um, that okay. I didn't reach the summit the first time. So when I was 13, I went to Denali and it was a very difficult experience. I was definitely not prepared for it. That was like the definition of adventure right there is going into the unknown somewhere yeah. I had like no clue what I was getting myself into but Denali was kind of that mountain where I I really like found my love my true love for mountaineering um not just like pushing for only the summit like it w wasn't I realized it wasn't just about that it was about the whole journey the whole experience and the adventure just like pushing yourself and seeing yeah. what your body could do do you think the failure was part of that like that sort of ended up pushing you even further definitely I don't think I really would thought about like why I was climbing especially before uh before I failed I was just like oh this is cool because I get to the top of every mountain and I'm like good at it and it's like when you're little it's just like fun to be good at something you know so I like had that just like oh I'm just good at this but then when I failed on Denali I was like wow like at first I was like I don't think I want to do this anymore like I gave like I gave everything I could. I was 21 days on the mountain and every single day was like such a struggle for me. I was 13 years old, like carrying 100 pounds between my backpack and the sled behind me going up a mountain. It was just crazy, especially when I look back on it, like being like 20 now, I'm like, I don't know how I did that at 13. What made us turn around was like an accident in another party, actually. And then so it was like something super uncontrollable. So I was like, man, like I didn't even get a chance to try for the summit. I was like, I don't think I want to do this. It's just too uncontrollable. Like I, I wanted something that I could really like predict the outcome almost. Mm -hmm. And then I realized after a year of like being away from the mountains, I was like, oh my gosh, I miss it so much. Like I miss that feeling of almost like being out of control and not really like knowing what your deck stay is going to hold. Cause that's not something you get a lot of times in regular day life. Like it's something that's so unique to the mountains. Um, like, I love that part about it. So that's what brought me back. And that's when I really fell in love with climbing. So, but looking back at 12 years old, I mean, that's really incredible to do that. And mm -hmm. you must have had a lot of support from your family. 
Oh yeah, they were. I mean, just like the logistical planning of going to these mountains, like oh yeah, traveling around the U.S. in a car, or you know, when you go international, flying and getting there. Um, you know, it's time consuming. It's expensive. Um, it's really difficult. So I owe them like everything because they supported me every step of the way. You know, they really made it like a family adventure. High pointing, like they knew I loved it. And they were like, well, especially my dad with high pointing. We did every single high point, um, the two of us. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, it was amazing. And it's not something like he he enjoyed it, of course, like um, liked it. But it wasn't something that like he would just have done on his own, you know, right. like he was sure. doing it to support me um, because he knew I loved it so much. So like, yeah, I think like in any person that's like kind of pursuing something at like a high level there has to be that support system especially when you're in a sport that is so unpredictable and just like yeah like when you never know what's going to happen you have to have that support system to really keep you grounded and confident I'm sure it must have been a bonding experience too I'm sure you guys got to grow a lot closer together through that yeah definitely what is your next sort of big goal now that you've you know you've achieved Mount Everest what's on your radar well, when I was first doing Everest, that was part of um, a bigger goal for me to do the Explorers Grand Slam, which is climbing the seven summits and then also skiing to the North and South Poles. Um, so that was the plan. And it's still something I really want to do, but it's kind of been put on hold because I've done five of the seven summits. And then the two other ones I have to do, one's in Papua New Guinea, which is the tallest one in called Karsten's Pyramid, the tallest one in Oceania. And that is unfortunately being closed for a few years because of um, a civil war going on. So that is unavailable at this point. Some things you're just not going to be able to. And then um, going to the North Pole, unfortunately, is also closed because of the Russia-Ukraine war because you have to go through Russia. Um, And then the South Pole is um, the South Pole slash like Antarctica's tallest mountain, Mount Vincent. That's kind of like kind of in one uh, expedition since they're on the same continent. And that one is just so expensive that I've been applying for grants, funding. So I'm just kind of waiting for that part to come through. So hoping that'll be a reality at some point soon. Uh, But yeah, that's just a very, very expensive expedition. So those are kind of like all things I can't really control. So I was like, well, I don't want to just not climb mountains because of all of these things. So um, this past summer, I actually um, went to K2 which is um, one of the most dangerous mountains in the world. It's the second tallest mountain, right? After Mount Everest? It is the second tallest mountain, yes. And it's one of the hardest mountains in the world to climb. It's definitely a step up from Everest. It's very steep, very unpredictable. And I, you know, I just thought, you know, I want to further my mountaineering skills in some way. And I thought that would be a good next step after Everest. So I went there last summer and it was amazing. It really was. I definitely just improved my mountaineering skills a lot uh, and learned so much. And I met a lot of people. The mountaineering community is, you find a lot of like-minded people, you know, in that community. And on K2, that was one of, I felt like I kind of became a lot more part of that community from that mountain. So it was, it was really awesome. So I had an amazing experience, but unfortunately I didn't summit because I was in an avalanche on summit day. Yeah, it was, it was very scary. (laughs) It was. People in the, if anyone's in the mountaineering world, they probably know like the events around K2 this summer were super controversial um, and have caused a lot of ripples in the mountaineering world just because a lot of policies are not the best. Um, There's not a lot of regulation on some mountains like K2. 
So a man ended up dying because of that. And a lot of people ended up walking by and it was just a very, like a very controversial time. So, so yeah, but it was an amazing experience for me, just like being able to be around some of the best mountaineers in the world beyond one of the hardest mountains to climb. So that, I mean, that was, that was all in the past. It's a very long answer to your question. Um, but in the future, I really, I don't know exactly what mountain I'm going to do next. I'm hoping that one of the seven summits, one of those will be a possibility, but if not, I'm going to continue, uh, to climb, you know, whatever mountains are, are available. And I'm actually looking at guiding, um, getting more into the guiding side. It's something that I kind of found a passion for recently, uh, but I love like teaching people about the mountaineering world and like having them have a really good first experience their first steps into it because it's right. a place that's so amazing. So, um, so this summer I might, I um, might become a guide and I'm actually going to Ecuador for a month, start in a week from now to further like my rock climbing skills. I'm really gonna focus on that aspect because that's not something I've done a lot of training in. So that's kind of what's awesome. next on my radar. <laughs> that is super cool. Wow, yeah, guiding would be really fun. I, and you know, that first experience is probably so important, right? If somebody has a good yes. first experience, they're gonna wanna come back. You mentioned the avalanche and that was actually one of my next questions was about some of the scary or dangerous experiences that you've run into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when I mean, when you kind of step into the sport of mountaineering, at least at a like high serious level, yeah. uh, there's just a lot of risks that come with that. And there's risks with any adventure because it is like defined by that unknown aspect. And that can vary from, you know, I'm not sure like if I'm going to be uncomfortable, like if it's, you know, going to rain while I'm camping type of thing or something unpredictable, like I might lose my life doing this. And um, climbing really serious mountains like Everest and K2, it's definitely more of the, you know, I might lose my life doing this. Every mountaineer, I think, has to come to terms with that and decide for themselves, like, whether this is a sport that they really want to do, because you can love it, but, like, you have to be w willing to take those risks. And you can be as safe as, as you can, like, take all the precautions and still, like an avalanche could come at any time. Um, so that's just something that you really can't control at all. And it is scary sometimes, for sure. Like being the scariest moment I've had in the mountains is definitely uh, being on the avalanche in K2. It was this big white cloud. I just like looked up and saw it coming towards me. And, you know, you don't know if that's going to bury you, if there's going to be like snow chunks that, that like, that are in that. So it was, luckily it was, not a big one. So it only buried us up to like mid thigh. But if it was bigger, you know, it, it could have killed us. Some things are just like, you have to be smart and know when to turn around, which is difficult because, you know, you put a lot of time and energy and effort to reach your goal, but you have to, you know, you have to value your life highly <laughs> for sure. So it's difficult, but I do really just have like a piece when I'm up there. And I think part of that is because I'm like a really strong Christian. So I kind of like trust that like God has me in his hand, but there's people that obviously aren't and they still do the same thing. So it's just like, you have to find somewhere to put your trust. You know, you got to like have something where you're reassured because it is a scary situation up there. And that's where you learn most when you're like in those situations where you, you don't know what's going to happen. And it's just like you and your instincts and whatever trust you have. How do you know how to react in a situation like that when something goes wrong? 
a lot of it when you're in like you're actually in the situation it's just pure instinct mm-hmm. um because you know like it's that fight or flight or freeze type of yeah. response um so but like really what should happen is like you have the training to to know what right. to do so that's like the ideal but then there's like the real of like you know you're probably gonna do one of those three things but yeah and actually k2 really kind of opened my eyes because i've never really done like a lot of training with mountaineering like I've climbed since I was seven years old like at first like hikes and then you know when I was like 11 learning how to use ice axe and crampons my skills have kind of built through experience in the mountains that I've been doing for a long time and I do feel really confident in those but um but I realized on k2 like I've never taken like an avalanche course um or something like that like I've never um done like a medical course and when I saw like the accidents that happen up there Mm -hmm. and how maybe no one that knows what to do in those situations at least like in the vicinity um that are around those accidents and i was like wow like this needs to be a priority so i i feel like oh there's kind of like a gap of what you're doing and like the skill so that's why i recently have been like i'm signed up for like an avalanche course two months ago got my wilderness first responder so like a medical course i'm like okay now that i've seen these accidents happening and i'm like I know this is a reality and that a lot of people don't know how to react in those situations. Like it is just based off of instinct. Okay, I need to get the skills to be able to actually like know what to do in those situations. So that's something that that I've kind of realized recently is like not something that's there yet in the mountaineering world that needs to be there. So besides scary or dangerous situations, what are just some of the most memorable things that have happened that really stand out to you? Well, when I first think of mountain engineering I just think of the amazing like I, like there's like kind of like photo reel almost in my mind of just like the amazing like beautiful moments like the sunrises and the sunsets up there because that, those are just they're unreal there's no photo that can capture it there's I mean now with the technology these days maybe there is <laughs> but nothing that I can do with my iPhone <laughs> um so just just the beauty up there is just so unreal and to be in that moment some specific, some specific stories like just being in a tent for like a three or four weeks with someone yeah. is is such an experience that you'd really never get other than mountaineering. I remember with my dad being like a teenage girl in the tent, we'd argue like all the time. <laughs> it was so funny. Like right. I don't know how we didn't kill each other. There's so many good memories up there of just like funny moments. Oh my gosh! Like we'd play. I remember I did not like we were stuck in our tent for this is the longest I've ever been stuck in a tent, but we were stuck in a tent for a week when I was on my on Denali when I was 13. Because of the weather? Yeah, just snowed in. Wow. Um, and it was yeah, it was crazy. But like the whole time we were playing cards literally 24 uh, 7. Like, we were just I, I that's where I first learned how to shuffle cards. I'm now very good at shuffling cards and like stuff like that. And and the community, like, you really get close with people. It's it's crazy. And I think that's the main takeaway for me, like, being at K- K2, too. I was stuck at base camp for mm-hmm. nearly a month just because the weather conditions were so bad. And I just got to know some amazing people. Like, the person I'm going to with um, in Ecuador, I just met him on K2 base camp. And he was just amazing and, like, hit it off with him. 
the community I remember walking in debate to a camp on Denali one time and this guy was like cooking a hot dog and just gave me one and wow. I, it's like stuff like that that it's just like wow like everyone kind of looks out for each other up there and obviously it's like everyone's like different but like it's just such a cool place to be you know where everyone just appreciates the same things um and loves to just push themselves out of their comfort zone and, and knows everyone's there for the same reasons so yeah I just say like those are kind of the, the main like highlights in my mind when I think of mountaineering. So if somebody wants to get into this field of adventure, how can someone get started? Well, climbing mountains is definitely something like a skill that I think you have to like build up over time. I mean, anything kind of is, but you know, like just starting kind of small, like doing like a hike or two, like if you've never done it or like camping for a few days and then kind of building from there. It depends what type of climbing you want to do. Like whether you want to rock climb or like what I do is like kind of like high alpine mountaineering. So with that, really, when you get into it, you want to start learning skills like how to use the ice axe and crampons and things like that. And the mountain that I learned on was Mount Rainier. And that's like the perfect mountain to learn all that on. Um, so like hiring a guide to really teach you all the skills and like walk you through step by step. There's some amazing guides out there. And I, yeah, I've been blessed to, to have some great training, uh, just on the mountains. And then honestly, just the main thing is just putting in the time and like the effort to go to these mountains and to really like go all in and be mentally prepared to, to really push yourself. Yeah. And the technical side is a huge part of it, like learning all those skills. But after that, it's really just mental. There's definitely like the money barrier as well. That's something that's a real issue in, in the mountaineering world. So that's something that's super difficult, but there's definitely like scholarships and grants out there for it. So a company or a, they're a nonprofit, they have a company and then also nonprofit side and mm -hmm. um, that I'm like uh, involved in is called the All Summit Scholarship Foundation. And they provide scholarships for women and girls to get into the mountaineering world. They provide lessons and then also like the lessons while you're actually climbing a mountain. So getting that like real life experience. And I've, I actually started a scholarship under them and like had the privilege to like guide these girls up a mountain and teach them those skills. And it was amazing. After you like kind of get that training in, like that hiking and like experience with camping and things like that, like doing something like a, a mountain like that, where you really get that glacier training mm -hmm. is is key. And then after that, eventually you can transition away from, from guiding and you can actually go by yourself. A good amount of mountains, me and my dad, when, when um, we were both kind of unexperienced and didn't know mm -hmm. how to do it ourselves, uh, especially when you're like new to the terrain, we got a guide to take us. But then, you know, eventually, like if you kind of get into the community and get to know people and you maybe like make friends with other people that have done these mountains, you can really go unguided once you have that base of skills. And that makes it a lot less expensive, a lot more like personal if you just like going with friends, getting into that community is really helpful. And then going from there. You mentioned the scholarship for uh, women and girls. And I think that's so important. One of the problems that we've come up against in this podcast is we, you know, we want to meet people from lots of different fields. And we've kind of found that adventure is very much kind of male dominated in a lot of ways. And that's mm -hmm. actually one of the reasons we were so excited to have you on the show as well. And I think it's important to kind of challenge that, you know, and make it so that adventure can be for everyone. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely a barrier I've seen in the mountains um, is that gender gap and uh, an age gap too. like young people aren't, aren't a big demographic. And the, there's reasons for that, but they, they, like, they're not good enough. You know, if you have the drive, if you have the willingness to be there, like if you have the love to 
to mountaineer, anyone should be able to be in the mountains and anyone can. I try to use my story as like a testament. Like if a, if a 13 year, year old girl can climb Denali, like anyone yeah. should be able to do it, you know? Yeah. yeah. We, we can't put labels on people. We just assume, you know, because you're young or you're a woman or something like that, you can't do it. Well, you mentioned your other adventures. So you're not just into mountaineering. Mm -hmm. What other what other kind of big adventures do you love and what kind of things are you looking forward to with those? Yeah, I I mean, I just look for like any opportunity for adventure I can. And I, I try to any opportunity that presents itself to me, I try to say yes to. Um, mm -hmm. Like this Ecuador adventure I'm going on in a week, it just kind of popped up in the within a month, like in the past few weeks. And I was like, yes, like, why not? That sounds amazing. So right. I think just really keeping your, your mind open to any kind of adventure that comes your way is super important. So that's something that, that has, that has allowed me to do a lot of things. So I've, I mean, I've traveled to many different places. Um, Africa is, uh, I went to Uganda and Kenya and I actually lived there for like seven weeks by myself um, when I graduated from high school semester wow. early. So that was a huge adventure. Um, that was one of the biggest adventures for me just because the culture is so different over there um like the lifestyle i was in a very rural village um in the sharingani hills running with um this group of runners there and high school students and there was like frogs in my toilet and spiders <laughs> in my shower it was oh just gosh. so it was so out of my comfort zone but yeah. it was just like looking back i grew so much from that experience um like i wouldn't be the person i am today without it yeah beforehand i was like i don't know what this is going to be like i'm so unprepared but i'm just going to say yes to it and and see what happens. And I'm so glad I did. And then, yeah, just like my trip to Everest in Nepal, like that traveling, I really traveled, like traveling is kind of like centered around mountaineering. So I've traveled to Nepal to climb Everest, traveled to Pakistan to climb K2. Um, I've been like to Russia to climb at Mount Albrecht and things like that. So it's been amazing. And I actually, I lived in Mexico for a year um, when I was little, uh, when I was five and six and went to school down there. And that was that really just kind of opened my mind up at a young age to to seeing like different cultures and it really experiencing them um, mm -hmm. because that's like that's one of the biggest adventures you can have is just being somewhere completely new maybe you, especially when you don't know the language or something like that like that is more out of your comfort zone maybe than you'll ever be um so that's that's been amazing but I mean, I I love skiing. I love snowboarding. I love scuba diving. I've done that a few times. I was scuba certified actually in Mexico. So yeah, I mean, mountain biking. There's pretty much like any like <laughs> adrenaline sport that's like adventurous I have done and I love. I mean, there's only so much time and energy in a day, right? So like you you can't do everything, but kind of being just like seeing what comes up and seeing what you're called to um, and what fits into your lifestyle where you are at the current time. Um, just trying to like kind of, it doesn't have to be something big, you know, like taking a trip to somewhere that you wouldn't go typically, like maybe mm -hmm. not just going to like the beach resort in Mexico, but like going into the city or going into like seeing what the town's like. Right. Just like small changes like that can, can be a big source of adventure and really change your life and how you view the world. Yeah, I think that's such a great piece of advice. Take the opportunities that show up and Try it out. Um, well, and running. I know you really enjoy running. How can running be an adventure? Gosh, running, especially, it depends what type of running too, but especially my favorite type of running is trail running. 
And trail running is such an adventure. I've done that since I was little and I just love it. I love to go somewhere new and this could be trail running or not, but go somewhere new and explore the area through running. You really, you get into like the streets, you get into like places that you really wouldn't. And seeing like, it's so much more personal than like driving through a town because you like just see everything like like a pedestrian, you know? You know, walking is great, but it takes a long time. So when you're running, you see so much more. So I remember like being in Italy and I was like, my phone didn't have any like Wi-Fi or internet and I was just running and I ended up in a completely different town and I was so lost, but it was like, it was so fun. That was like the best run of my life. And I ended up getting back to the right spot and actually finding my dad again. So that was nice. I'm a big supporter of getting lost. Yeah. I just love wandering around cities whenever I go somewhere new. I mean, as long as it's obviously safe, as long as you're in a safe area. Mm -hmm. I think it's great. I've been living in Bangkok for 10 years. I still get lost here sometimes when I'm just walking around and it's always amazing. You just always run into something just, you know, new and and maybe even bizarre and it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, I need to get lost more often. (laughs) I so agree. And I think running like also you explore a lot of yourself when you run, especially you really like find out your, your mental like limitations because running is such like, it's just you and your mind out there, you know, it's yeah. like, there's no, there's no one else. There's nothing else. Um, It's just like what you tell yourself that can be it, you know, just exploring that not really knowing what you're capable of, but just finding it out day at a time. So well, beyond your adventure goals, what are your just big life goals? Because um, you're still in university now, correct? Mm-hmm. What are your next big life goals? I try to make it as much about adventure as I can. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, there is, you know, some serious life stuff that goes on as well, um, unfortunately. But <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm in uh, my second year at U- the University of Southern California in LA. Nice. Um, and I actually, I took this semester off. I was going to be in a reality TV show, but unfortunately oh, that wow. <laughs> fell through. At the, it was called Race to Survive. So okay, it, was, cool. it, was, it was really cool. And I, me and my partner were one of the last like teams that were knocked out at the very end. So oh, I was, okay. um, so I know. So I took the semester off and everything. Like I was like, I'm going to at least like see if this happens and like go all in. But unfortunately yeah. it didn't. But it's been, again, an amazing semester off. Now I get to go to Ecuador and things that yeah. I would, never get to do if I was in school right now (laughs) so but what's next is going back to school in January Mm -hmm. um and so that'll be that'll be fun to go back I'm actually I am looking forward to it it is I do miss like all my friends there and just like the I do miss like the learning aspect of it Mm -hmm. I I do really I realized I do really love learning um so I'm gonna go back there and I run also at the University of Southern California so go back to the track season and push myself there um and yeah that's I'm studying public policy so I'm hoping to get my degree in that um and I'm really passionate about the world water and sanitation crisis that's something that I've been passionate about ever since going to Africa for the first time when I was 12 and it just really changed my life to seeing people that don't have access to water like I do it's something we just take for granted Yes, it so is. So just seeing that I was like, this is I just knew like, this is what I want to do with my life is to help people with that. So I'm going to go into the policy side um, of water and sanitation. So I'm really excited to get my degree in that. So and then for after that to hopefully use it to to help people. So one of my dreams actually recently is to go to Nepal. And when you like go to Everest, you trek through for like, 10 days, you trek through all these different villages and they're so like small and rural and a lot of them really struggle with water issues. One of my dreams is to like go and like be able to go through and test all the water of different villages and then like get them 
what they need to actually have safe water to drink. That so cool. that's one of my dreams that I hope happens someday. <laughs> but yeah, doing stuff like that, um, traveling, adventure, like it so coincides with um with just helping people uh, when you when you go to these places, you know, it's something that, that anyone can do. That's really cool. Well, in the future, if the podcast can ever help bring awareness to anything like that, just let me know, shoot me an email, and we'll definitely uh, talk about that on the show for sure. I guess the last thing I wanted to ask is beyond, you know, I've already asked how can people get started in mountain climbing, but how can just people find adventure in their own lives? Just a little bit more adventure, a little bit more excitement in their day-to-day lives. I'd say that the biggest part to finding adventure is just starting small and just seeing where your passion lies because adventure can really be found so many areas of your life. It can be found through travel or getting out in nature in some way because I think that, you know, like a lot of our our life is so controlled. Like Mm. every like adventure and stuff is just to make it more comfortable and more controlled. But having that like, really like wild and unknown um, part of life is something that I think humans it's so good for like the human spirit and just good for good for everyone so I found that most definitely in nature that's where I've always kind of sought adventure so whether it's scuba diving or mountain biking running um, it's like you could get into nature in so many ways camping hiking but I'd say that that is the best way that I found is to do those things and see where it leads like see which one really speaks to you and then as you kind of do that more like make it a habit that you really build into your lifestyle and uh, once you get that habit down you're going to become you know you're going to become good at it and that's when you can really start pushing yourself and finding that kind of getting out of your comfort zone aspect of it um, which is like the basis of adventure well lucy thank you so much for coming on the show if people want to follow you if they want to catch up with your adventures and see what you're up to, where can people find all that information? The platform that I'm most active on um, is definitely Instagram. So I'm what's next Lucy on that and Facebook as well um, is just Lucy Westlake. So those are two platforms for sure. And then I post some like kind of longer expedition, like kind of run throughs on YouTube. um, And that's just Lucy Westlake. And then I also have a TikTok that I'm occasionally active on, but um, but definitely Instagram is the best. And both of those are what's next, Lucy. All right. And we will, of course, have links to all of that in the show notes and in the podcast episode as well. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It has been so much fun to talk to you. Very inspiring. Of course. Thanks for having me. I hope the listeners all like loved it and are very inspired to get out into nature and enjoy their adventure because it's the best part of life. <laughs> James, at 12 years old, what was the most adventurous thing you'd ever done? Oh, man. Um, I believe I caught Zapdos in, like, Pokemon Red. <laughs> Probably something like that. And, you know, I... Not a whole lot. Yeah. I don't remember being 12, really. Yeah, I'd been camping a couple times with, like, Cub Scouts. Yeah. Isn't that weird, James? They say that you start forming memories when you're, like, five. But I can barely remember, like, middle school. I remember like random things, like little bits and pieces sort of here and there. Mm-hmm. But overall, no, I don't. I think my my most profound memories of middle school were um, Mr. Dixon, the Texas mm. history teacher. Remember him? Mm-hmm. He had a tattoo of Texas on his arm. Of course he did. He loved the state. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> that man. He would let us play the radio in class. His favorite mm. song was My Girl. And at any time, if My Girl ever came on the radio... 
he would give us seven points on whatever we were doing. <laughs> and so I don't know if you guys ever did it, but we would have someone try and go like to the bathroom. Oh and yeah, call and in. call in. Yeah, we totally tried that all the time. We never yeah, got yeah, yeah. through, but we always tried. <laughs> yeah, it's like during a quiz, like or a test. And he knew, and he did not care. No, no, he cared about one thing: Texas. Texas. <laughs> Texas, and I believe he was like the volleyball coach. Was he? Yeah, I forgot what he coached. But... I don't know. I forgot what he coached. I feel like he was more passionate about Texas history than he was about sports. Oh, 100%. So... <laughs> 100%. Man. Other than Coach Dixon. I remember like random things like from here and there, but I don't like, I can't like recall a whole lot. I, yeah. Honestly, like the last 10 years is probably a pretty solid thing, but it all kind of runs together. And I think part of that is because... I didn't live a very adventurous life, especially at that point. No, my life was pretty dull. Yeah. So imagine, imagine Lucy climbing mountains. I mean, I'm sure that hitting the highest peak in every state is something that you'll always remember. Oh, yeah. I mean, even at 20 years old, which is how old she is now, the most adventurous thing I'd ever done was like gone to summer camp. <laughs> Michael, I turned 31 in December. That's already kind of messing with me. I still haven't done like a one hundredth of the things like i've been to thailand to see you that's about that's that's the most it gets you know what one thing that we talked about is that how she's just trying to make sure that everyone knows that adventure is attainable for everyone and i really yeah. appreciated that because that is absolutely the philosophy of this show right that mm -hmm. adventure doesn't have to be something that's really difficult to do or really expensive to do or that you have limitations physical limitations or anything. It's something that absolutely everyone can get out and do in some way or another. Oh, yeah. You know, Michael, you and I, I at least I do, I still kind of put that, like what, what she's doing, kind of like up on this pedestal of like, yeah, oh, yeah that's, for that's sure. the real deal. But the philosophy of the show has always been that like no one thing is greater than another. It's all, it's all circumstantial and it's all relative. You know, for me, I, while that sounds amazing, mm -hmm. I can't legitimately say like, I want to do it. To you know what I mean? I want to have had the experience, but I don't necessarily want to like do it. It's just like, I want to have had been bitten by a shark. <laughs> like, okay, I yes. don't want to get bit by a shark, but I want to be able to say that I have. To have had the experience, the story. You want yeah. the story. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I guess the answer to that is just do the thing you want the story of. To do something like she's doing, Mm -hmm. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of training. It takes a lot oh, yeah. of grit. It just takes yeah, mental fortitude. Mental fortitude that I I just don't got. You know, I break. I need I need like caffeine and <laughs> my special pillow. It's just it's just amazing, and I can't even. I, I was very excited to have her on the show because something that you and I have talked about a lot is how how the average adventurer is just like a thirty year old middle class upper middle class white male, right? Yes. And she's Someone trying to who can afford it. to just not right. do a job. <laughs> Which, uh, besides for the rich part, the ironic thing is that you and I fit the stereotype of adventurers. Oh, 100%, and we are man. awful at it. We're not good. We host a podcast about it. And we're terrible adventurers. I mean. Oh, yeah. No, but seriously, really great interview. Very inspirational. Kind of makes me want to get mm -hmm. out and get back in nature and do more hiking. You know, I, I went on that big adventure earlier this year with Carl, where we went hiking to the mountain in Thailand. That was great. I had such a great time, but life's gotten busy and I haven't really been able to get out into nature as much as I want since then. And, you know, this episode made me want to think, yeah, I need to, I need to get back out there. I need to get back out. Yeah. There's so much to see just in Thailand, even, much less in the whole world. You know, I'm bad about that too. I'm bad about living in a place that has access to these things and just sort of not doing them because life yeah. 
gets busy. And I feel like that's that's also very relatable to a lot of people. Yeah, I wish I was like independently wealthy, but oh, yeah, alas. Right. <laughs> I buy a scratch off every once in a while and it never works. I won $2 on one one time. So I went back and I bought two tickets and I lost on both of them. So I broke even. Mm. No, I didn't. I ended up negative. <laughs> yeah, negative $2. I won $5 on a scratch off once, but I bought it in a gas station in New Mexico and didn't mm. scratch it off till I got home because I assumed I was going to lose. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't going to drive back to New Mexico to redeem a $5, $5 ticket. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't do scratch. I don't. I don't play the lottery. It's just not worth it for me. I know I'm not going to win. Yeah. I'll buy a $1 scratcher every once a year, twice a year, just to see. You never know. Yeah. A couple of years ago, they, I don't know, they still do this where the state of Texas was always like pushing lottery tickets as like a Christmas present for people. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, here's your Christmas present of like, maybe you'll get rich, but it, you're most, most likely it's nothing. A $2 scratch off. It's like the cheapest, like. If somebody genuinely gave me a lottery ticket, like like not just like a, a like just like a hey here's a here's a lottery ticket for Christmas, but if that was like my real Christmas present, like a stocking stuffers, I'd then like I'd a, be down. Like oh great, you went That'd to Mexico, cool. not you know thanks. <laughs> but what if like think about it this way? What if like somebody like, you have siblings, right? Yes. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know why I said it like that. I know you <laughs> yes, do. you you know them. <laughs> <laughs> um, could you imagine like if your parents got you all a lottery ticket and only one like one of you won? It would be so that'd, that'd be awful. Could you imagine if you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I get bust. <laughs> you're laughing like, oh, see, it's nothing. <laughs> and then Kyle's like, I want a million dollars. I'd be so mad. Like... I would be so mad. I would, I would, if I won, I would just lie. I'd be like, oh I yeah, leave. I lost as, as well. Just <laughs> like put oh, it in my pocket. <laughs> I would just leave Christmas. I'd just be like, you know what? I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> I'm out of here. It would, it would ruin Christmas. It would. I don't care how close your family is. Even if you won, it would ruin Christmas. Yeah. I would sneak it though. I'd be like, no, I lost. Dang it. <laughs> just never tell anyone. Fuck if yeah, if you win the lottery, just never, just tell, never anyone. tell anyone. Ever. Oh, yeah. Be like that one guy that wore like a ski mask and gloves to go pick it up because he didn't want his people to know. Brilliant. Anyway, we're going on a tangent. That was a great interview. Super awesome. I know. James and I, we, we struggle when we record more than one episode in a day. We lose the plot a little bit. Yeah. But, the, but we are not the main part of this episode. That's Lucy. So we're Thank just here. Thank goodness. <laughs> Which is here also. <laughs> All right. No, but seriously, Lucy, it was a fantastic episode. And uh, next time you're on A Big Adventure, next time you want to come back on and share your experiences, just let us know. You're always welcome to do mm -hmm. so. And of course, we have links to all of her social media and all of yes. her adventures in the show notes and on the website at attemptadventure.com as well. Well, James, it's now time for our favorite segment, Adventures in the News. Today, it's my turn. And I just want to shout out a new project that is coming out soon by... The guy that inspired it all, Alistair Humphreys, he's the one that his his whole concept of micro adventures is what inspired us to create the show in the first place. Mm -hmm. And during COVID, he started a project where he called it something like the One Map Challenge. The idea was to explore every inch of his neighborhood in just like a one area map. His new book is called Local, A Year of Exploring a Single Map. So it's all about getting out and finding those little nooks and crannies in your own neighborhood that you probably mm -hmm. just never saw before, right? So he set out. He would set out on foot every day, wandering, exploring. So I'm just going to read the uh, the blurb from the book here. After years of cycling continents, rowing oceans, and trekking across deserts and ice caps, adventurer Alistair Humphreys turns his eye closer to home by asking, "Is a single map enough exploration?" Outside Alistair's front door lies an unassuming landscape marked by the glow of city lights and the hum of busy roads. 
The ordnance survey map he lives on shows 20 square kilometers crisscrossed with motorways, train tracks, towns, villages, and intensely managed farmland. Alistair spends a year exploring what surprises are waiting for him on this single map. What wilderness and curiosities are we missing closer to home? What are we not aware of? Can we put nearby nature into everyday lives? To think globally, but act locally. So he blogged about it throughout the year as well, and he's turned all his blog posts into this new book, which is coming out uh, this Christmas time. So it's a good, a good gift for the adventurer in your life for good sure. Gift. Um, but it's a great idea, and I wish I had thought of something like that during COVID for myself because I was really stuck inside a lot. And that's something we've talked about too, trying to look at your local area in a new light, and we overlook our own areas a lot of the times. Yeah, we definitely do. And I know I do. Yeah. Yeah, this was awesome. All right, folks. Well, if you enjoyed the show today, don't forget to subscribe and please consider giving us a review on your podcast app of choice. Maybe a five-star review if you're feeling generous. And if you um, mm -hmm. aren't, maybe still a five-star review with some constructive <laughs> criticism. <laughs> be fine. Really yeah, helps us out. As long as it's five stars. <laughs> okay. Definitely. You can find more Attempt Adventure content on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube where we are Attempt Adventure. So guys, thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show. And until next time... Keep adventuring.